Thank you for joining us on the Hope Church LV podcast. We're excited that you came across this message. If you're joining us for the first time, I want to be the first to say, welcome to Hope Church. Do us a favor and text NEW TO HOPE to 94090. After you hit send, you'll get an immediate response from our team with a link to a short form for you to fill out so we can get to know you better. If you haven't done so already, make sure to subscribe, rate, and review our podcast and help spread hope to the world. Once again, thank you for joining us today. Enjoy the sermon. When I think about my mom, I think about her amazing fashion sense. I think about her amazing sense of humor. I like that she loves my brother and me and that she's pretty in the inside and the outside. When I think about my mom, I think she's awesome because she's just always there for people and she's loving and caring. When I think of my mom, I think of the most genuine person you could ever meet. She's always finding ways to put others before herself, and I just love that about her. When I think of my mom, I think of the most kind, most loving, most compassionate, and most caring person in my life, aside from my dad, but that's a different story. I love you guys. Okay, what do you love about mom, Abe? <laughs> um, I like Candyland. You like that if I Candyland with you? What is your favorite thing about your mom? <laughs> what I think about my mom is that she's a good person because she always listens to me and she takes care of me. She is loving and kind. Her hard work and her selflessness and how much she does for me and my family to give us the best life that she can. Whenever I'm scared to do something, she lets me know. I really, I know she lets me know that I can do this. Man, my mom is generous, sacrificial, and so loving. When I'm when I fail a simple task or even a hard task, she's always patient. Love you, mom. Love, kindness, and care. I think about a caring person who cares about others first before themselves. I love you to praise me with my with my dollies upstairs. Yeah. Mama does do that, huh? Do you love Mama? No. <laughs> she takes me to the river. When I think of my mom, I think of unconditional love. That she cuddles with me. I love about her when she plays games with me. Uh, she cooks for me. She takes me to places. She loves me. Reading books. Reading books. The best mom in the universe is that she's helpful. I think my mom is awesome because she buys clean food for uh, for me. Oh, yeah. She gets us prepared for things. She takes care of us and feeds us. She she talks us to have courage. That's who read me but. When I think about my mom, I think of her undying support for everything that I wanted to do, from sports to choir to all of my goals and passions and dreams. When I think about my mom, I think of someone who's kind, safe, compassionate, and I just know that she loves me with all her heart. Happy Mother's Day, Mom. I love you so much. We love you, Mom. We love you, Mother. Happy Mother's Day, Mom. I love you. I love you. I love you. <laughs> what better way to start off a Mother's Day message than with a great kids video, amen? It's a softball toss on Mother's Day weekend. So that's what kids say about their moms. What I want to do this weekend is I want us to look at what the Bible has to say about moms. 
If you are visiting with us this weekend, normally at Hope Church, we take one passage of Scripture and we kind of dig in it for the weekend and we just unpack what that text of Scripture has to say to us from God's Word. This weekend is unique. Next weekend, we'll be jumping back in. If you're a guest, we're studying straight through the New Testament letter called the book of James. And we'll be back in that next weekend. I'll be teaching from that letter next weekend. But this weekend, we're going to do something a little bit different. When I uh, grew up, I grew up near a river. I grew up on the, close to the Tennessee River, and we'd go to the river all the time. One of the things we'd do, we'd get down to the riverbank, is we'd take a rock, and we would see how far we could skip that rock. We would just skip it across the water as many times as we could. What we're going to do this weekend is we're going to try, we're going to in some ways take a rock and skip it across the Bible. You say, what do you mean by that? We're going to look at four different passages of Scripture that all speak to the issue of motherhood. Now, obviously, this is not going to be everything the Bible has to say about moms, but it is going to give us some perspective about what the Bible does have to say because we're living in a world that I think oftentimes in the culture of today diminishes and devalues the role of motherhood. And the Bible elevates the role of motherhood. And so we want to look at what the Scripture has to say. So we're going to look at four different passages of Scripture, two in the New Testament and two in the Old Testament. And out of those verses, I want to share with you four truths that the Bible teaches us about motherhood. So here's the first truth and the first Scripture. Motherhood is a gift from God. Amen? Here's what the Bible says in Psalm 127, verse 3. Psalm 127, by the way, is a great psalm. You can read the whole thing when you get home this evening. It's a great psalm to think about uh, God's word speaking to the family, but particularly to moms. Listen to what it says in verse 3. Behold, children are a what? Say the word out loud. Heritage. Heritage. The word heritage is a Hebrew word that describes a gift that has been received from someone else. Well, he tells us here, children are a heritage. They're a gift from the who? From the Lord. And that word Lord there, it's the Hebrew word for Jehovah. It's God himself, the Lord God of the universe, the creator of everything we can see, taste, touch, feel, or smell. Children are a gift from the Lord. Then it says the fruit of the womb is a reward. The word reward is a Hebrew word that describes showing your appreciation through a gift, meaning both of these Hebrew words used to describe children here have in common this idea of a gift from God that is to be celebrated. Children are a gift, so motherhood then is a gift from God. When you think about children as a gift from the Lord and you contrast that with the words that are often used in culture today to describe children, it's a stark contrast. Let me give you some words that have been grabbed from the headlines that describe children today. Burden, responsibility, dependent, inconvenience, choice, hardship. And we could go on and on with words grabbed out of the headlines that describe children today in our culture. But here's what the Bible says, gift, reward. And as you read on down a couple of verses past this verse that we've looked at here in the psalm, he uses the word blessing. It's a word that embraces all that would constitute real 
happiness. Here the Bible says, and this is important for us as Christians, to establish a worldview that is rooted and grounded in Scripture. The Bible says that motherhood is a gift from the Lord. Now, I get it. Listen, I have four children myself. I have two grandchildren. I have three adult married children. And and from those three children, I'm expecting more grandchildren. If any of them are listening right now, let's get on it, right? Come on, let's let's do something about that. But I get it. I understand that with kids, there are challenges. I know the days can be long, but here's what I want you to rest on today. God has given you your children as a gift. So here's what I want to do before I go any further. And this is true for both moms and dads that are here. I want you to take a moment and just thank the Lord. You don't have to buy your, but just in your own heart. Just thank God for your kids. Sometimes we can get so caught up in the hustle and the bustle and the busyness and the schedule and driving them everywhere and doing all the stuff that we can forget to just stop for a minute and say, Lord, thank you for my children. So thank him for these children that God's given you because motherhood is a gift from God. Here's the second thing. Motherhood is an opportunity to change the world. Let me show you a verse of scripture. This is from the New Testament from 1 Timothy chapter 2. Now, this verse of Scripture is a little bit of a challenge. A lot of people really don't even understand what it means. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 13 and following. Here's what it says. For Adam was formed first, then Eve. What's he talking about? The creation story when God made man and then he made woman. Adam was formed first, then Eve. And Adam was not deceived, but the woman was deceived and became a transgressor. Now, we know in the garden, both Adam and Eve sinned against God, but Eve is the one that had the encounter with the serpent. Eve is the one who was deceived. And and if you want to describe it this way, what what the Bible is really saying is Adam wasn't deceived. He just willfully did it. Eve fell into the deception of the serpent, and the Bible says became a transgressor. Yet, she will be saved through childbearing if They continue in faith and love and holiness with self-control. The Bible takes us back to the beginning in Genesis when Adam and Eve in the garden sinned against God. And it describes this moment when Eve was deceived by Satan himself and became a transgressor. She disobeyed God. But the Bible then goes on to say that she can be saved through childbearing. What in the world does that mean? Well, there are really four possible explanations. If you read this text of Scripture, you could really walk away and say one of four things, but I think only one of them is really what this text of Scripture means. Here's the first one. What some people would say is that this means that Christian women will not die during childbirth. But we know from history and experience that this is simply not true. So this statement that women will be saved through childbearing is not a statement that women who are Christians will not die in childbirth. A second possible explanation is that this is talking about the birth of the Messiah who came through Mary. Sin came through Eve and a Savior will come through Mary. That the Messiah would be born through a woman and his birth would bring salvation to women. 
The problem is the birth of Jesus didn't just save women. The birth of Jesus saved women, men, children, boys, girls, teenagers. The gospel message is the grounds of salvation for anyone who believes. And also, if you look at the totality of Scripture, the gospel narrative doesn't associate the saving work of Jesus with his birth, but with his death, his burial, and his resurrection. So I don't believe that's what this means. Another possible explanation is that women are saved from sin through becoming a mother. When it says that women are saved through childbearing, it means that the way women become followers of Jesus is through the bearing of children. There are some cults that would teach this, but the reason I don't believe that's true is because it contradicts the rest of Scripture. For example, the Bible would say in Ephesians, for by grace you have been saved through faith and that not of yourselves. It is a gift from God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. There's no work we have to perform. There's nothing we have to do to earn our salvation. So if that's what this meant, it would contradict the rest of scripture. Then Pastor Vance, what in the world does this mean? Here's what it means. That the reputation of women has been marred throughout history because of Eve's decision in the garden. Women oftentimes have taken a bad rap, even though we know in the text Adam was right there with her, even though in the text Adam was given spiritual responsibility to shepherd the wife of his heart, or the the heart of his wife, and he allowed her to, to do that anyway. Women historically have been the brunt of the joke and the reputation of Eve's decision in the garden but we serve a redemptive God. And God has given women the opportunity to redeem that reputation through the bearing and raising of godly children. Meaning that, yes, sin came into the world when, Adam was, when Eve was deceived in the garden. But God, through motherhood, has given women the opportunity to be redeemed and change the world by raising up and bearing the next generation that comes into the world. And this biblical reality is understood by non-Christians as well. There was a famous poem in the 1800s written by William Ross Wallace. Listen to what it said. For the hand that rocks the cradle is the what? The hand that rules the world. The principle that moms have been given by God the opportunity to change the world. Moms have been given a unique place in the hearts of their children that dads, let's just be honest, we never get, right? Moms have been given a unique place in the hearts of the kids. I'm not saying dads are not important. Listen, there are statistics, there are scripture, there's biblical principles that describe and and, and teach the impact of fathers in the home and fathers in the family. But the reality is God has created in the heart of a child a special relationship with his mom. And listen, nowhere is this more seen Then on the sidelines of a football game that's going on. Say, what do you mean? Here's what I mean. Dad has spent hours throwing footballs, catching footballs, buying footballs, going to football practice, going and watching game films, sitting down and studying football plays, helping him memorize the playbook. Dad has spent hours and hours and hours and hours with his kid from peewee football to junior high football to high school football to college football. Now this guy's made it to the NFL. 
The game is going on, and the camera comes up on him on the sideline. And what does he do? Hi, Mom. Right? Moms have been given a unique relationship with their kids. But with that special relationship comes a special responsibility. The shaping and shepherding of those lives who can potentially change the world. Think about it. I'm going to list some names. And I want you to think about what all these names have in common. Moses, Alexander the Great, Julius Caesar, the Apostle Paul, Adolf Hitler, Winston Churchill, Helen Keller, George Washington, Karl Marx, Henry Ford, Ted Bundy, Mother Teresa, Billy Graham, Jesus Christ. You know what that list all has in common? They all had a mama, right? And they all impacted the world, some of them in very negative ways. But the reality is all of them in one way or another changed the course of human history, and every one of them had a mom who had the opportunity with that life entrusted to them to change the world. And we've seen it. We've read testimonies about it. I'm going to give you three examples. George Washington, the the first president of our nation. Listen to what George Washington said. My mother was the most beautiful woman I ever saw. All that I am, I owe to my mother. I attribute all my success in life to the moral, intellectual, and physical education I received from her. That's a mom who changed the world. Give you another example. A man named John Wesley. If you don't know that name, John Wesley was a pastor and a preacher of the gospel who literally preached to millions of people in his lifetime. He's, he's, he's credited with founding the Methodist church. Listen to what John Wesley said. I learned more about Christianity from my mother than from all the theologians of England. That's his mom, Susanna Wesley, you can read and research her online and, and, and read about the prayer warrior that she was, how God used her in the lives of her two sons, Charles and, and, and John Wesley, and how God ultimately used them to change the world. But the seed that was sown in them to change the world came through that special bond and relationship with their mother. I'll give you another example. This is right out of Scripture. 2 Timothy chapter 1, Paul's writing a letter to a young man named Timothy. Listen to what he says. I am reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and now I am sure dwells in you as well. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed knowing from whom you learned it and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. Paul is writing to this young man, Timothy, and he says, man, your mom and your grandmom loved Jesus, and they lived before you this example. And Paul uses this word, you learned from them. The word learned that he uses here is the root word of the word that we translate as the word disciple. They were discipling him in their home. They were 
living before him a godly example. And Paul says, it's the godly example and the word of God that your mom spoke into your life that ultimately was used by the Holy Spirit of God to lead you to salvation in Jesus Christ. Now, here's what that means, moms. Listen, I know there are a lot of times you're trying to be the Christian mom. You're trying to teach your kids the word. You're trying to pray over them. And it's like what we were doing up here a minute ago, right? It's like herding cats at the house. And you're trying to, to do everything you can to invest in them God's word. Here's what the Bible's teaching us. Here's what the Bible says. The Holy Spirit of God is not wasting those moments. As you lay that foundation of the Word in their lives, ultimately it's that very foundation that the Holy Spirit is going to use to quicken them and draw them to faith in Jesus Christ. His mother and his grandmother taught him the Scripture, and the Holy Spirit used that Scripture to move on his heart and convince him of the reality of the Gospel. But here's what I want you to know about Timothy. Timothy was the missionary who went with Paul to Europe, meaning the first time the gospel ever went to the continent of Europe. It went there through Paul and Timothy to a city called Philippi. From Europe, the gospel continued to go from, from, from North Africa, the Middle East, the gospel went to Europe. And then from Europe, the gospel continued to go around the world. Timothy was instrumental in the gospel being taken to the Gentiles, which many of us trace our faith back to that. Timothy was the pastor of the church in Ephesus, that church that Paul wrote the letter to the, to the church at Ephesus, the book of Ephesians, we call it in the Bible, that, that wonderful New Testament letter that gives us so much rich theology and truth that, that inspires us to follow Jesus, that gives us instruction about how to, how to have marriage and how to raise kids and how to live in society. That wonderful New Testament letter was written to the church that Timothy pastored. Not only that, two other letters in the New Testament were written directly to Timothy. One of them, 1 Timothy, that we've been reading from, contains the qualifications for pastors, meaning Every pastor who's ever pastored a church since the letter to 1 Timothy was written has been held to the standard of the writings of 1 Timothy. Meaning every pastor for the last 2,000 years has been impacted by the life of Timothy. What's the point? Timothy's mom, she changed the world by investing in and raising up her children. Andy Stanley tweeted something a few years ago that kind of caught fire and got retweeted a lot. Listen to what he said. Your greatest contribution to the kingdom of God may not be something you do, but someone you raise. Let that sink in for a minute. The greatest contribution that you make in the kingdom, mom, dad, may not be something you do, it may be somebody that you raise. God may have entrusted you with this precious child that you're going to raise and disciple. And it's through the sending them out of your home that God's going to accomplish much in the kingdom. Motherhood is a gift from God. Motherhood is an opportunity to change the world. Let me give you a third truth. Motherhood is preparation for future ministry. Let me show you another verse of scripture. It's in the book of Titus in the New Testament. Titus chapter 2, listen to what it says. Older women likewise are to be reverent in behavior, not slanderers or slaves to much wine. They are to teach what is good and so train the young women to love their husbands and children 
to be self-controlled, pure, working at home, kind, and submissive to their own husbands. Now, before you tune me out when you hear that phrase, working at home, this is not a passage of scripture that means women can't have careers and work outside the home. What he's talking about here is giving priority to the care and concerns of the home. And as a matter of fact, Proverbs 31, which is the classic Bible passage describing the role of wife and mom, actually describes a woman that gave priority to her home, but also had a thriving career outside the home. The point that he's making here is that, 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 that the priority is in the home. And here's what he's really saying about older women and younger women. Everything God is allowing you to experience as a mother is preparing you to impact the lives of other moms in the future. God so designed his church, and this same passage of Scripture talks about older men and younger men, but God designed his church that one generation is to walk with the next generation. Why did we do that a moment ago? We had the families up here, and as a church family, we covenanted together to walk with them. Why would we do that? Here's why we do that. Because the biblical pattern is that one generation walks with the next generation and invests in them the truth that they've learned through experience in walking with God. Everything that you're walking through right now as a mom God is going to use to prepare you to invest in the lives of other moms in the future. Here's what that means. Every doctor's visit, every scraped knee, every bad decision, every late night, every emotional struggle, every unexplained illness, every difficult personality phase. Every act of tough love, every rebellious attitude, every task that seems impossible apart from prayer. All of these experiences and a thousand more are being used by God to shape you for ministry that only you can do. There are some things that God is shaping you to do through motherhood that no seminary education could have ever prepared me for as a pastor. But God's gifted you and given you the life experience and given you the life circumstance to be ready to live this out, to invest in the next generation. I have a friend who has gone through the tragedy a couple of times of having her children go to heaven before her. That's a difficult thing for any mom. I can't think of anything more difficult for a mom to have to walk through than that. That mom's experience and her journey is unique and it's tragic. But here's what I want you to know. She's used that and leaned into the grace of God. And the grace of God has taken even those very difficult circumstances and used them to shape her. And now that mom, let me tell you what she does. She uses that experience and she meets with other moms that are walking through that and experiencing that kind of grief. And she just lets Jesus in her love those ladies and she walks with them. Something that she would have never chosen, she would never say, this is what I want to go through, has now become a ministry platform where she's walking with other women that are experiencing a similar circumstance because God is using that experience in her life to prepare her to minister to others. Here's the bottom line. There is no waste in the redeeming grace of Almighty God. There's no waste. 
And listen, that's not just true for moms. Whatever you're walking through in your life, whatever your unique set of circumstances, sometimes we want to throw our hands up and say, why? Why is this happening to me? And listen, ultimately, we can't answer all the why questions, but I can tell you this. There's no waste in the amazing grace of our redemptive God. Whatever your experience, whatever your circumstance, God, if you'll trust him, if you'll surrender to him, if you'll lean into his grace, he'll use that to prepare you to speak into the lives of other people that you would not be able to do apart from that circumstance in your life. Motherhood is preparation for future ministry. You see, you not only get to change the world by shaping your children, you've been given the opportunity to change the world by shaping the women who will shape tomorrow's children. So here's a couple of questions I want to ask you about this. First of all, to young moms. If you're a young mom, who's walking with you? Who's walking with you? Who's living this older women, younger women principle out with you? Listen, if you can't immediately say, oh, here's, here's who's doing it. Here's the, here's the godly mom or grandmom that's walking with me. Let me challenge you to do something. I want to encourage you before you leave. Go out to our guest services area. It's not just for guests. Go out there and find someone there and say, hey, I need to get connected in community. One of the beautiful things about doing life in community, connecting in small groups, is you build relationships with other people in similar stages of life who can walk with you and invest in you so that you're not alone. If you're a mom here and you're doing this thing alone, listen, that's not God's design for you. We want to come alongside you and walk with you on this journey. But here's the second question I want to ask, and I want to ask this to seasoned moms. Like the way I said that? I didn't say old. I said seasoned. Who are you walking with? You see, biblically, you have a responsibility to steward all that God has taught you. Motherhood's a gift from God. Motherhood is an opportunity to change the world. Motherhood is preparation for future ministry. Here's the last one. Motherhood is an invitation to be blessed. The writer of Proverbs in that beautiful chapter, Proverbs 31, at the end of the chapter, says it this way. Her children rise up and call her blessed. It's a testimony that these moms who steward this responsibility, who invest in their kids, who who live before them a godly example, can hold on to that promise that one day a grateful acknowledgement through lives and through words, will be given. Listen, it may not be this week. It may not be this month. It may not even come this decade. But here's what I'm telling you. All the effort, all the sacrifice will be worth it when you find your children walking with God and enjoying the life He has for them. Christy and I... My wife and I, we, we cannot thank you enough for what you did for our family last weekend. Last weekend, you honored us and you celebrated us beyond anything we could have ever imagined. I, our surprise factor was just off the meter. We were blown away by your demonstration of generosity, care, love for our family Really, the first couple of days of this week, we were emotionally just flat. We didn't have anything left after last weekend. 
you got to see a lot of what took place last weekend. But there was one scene you didn't get to see. They'd arranged stuff for us every day last weekend. And one of the moments that they arranged last weekend was in our home on Saturday evening. Uh, they just arranged an opportunity for us to just be with our family. They'd flown in our, uh, our adult children who were out of state, and they came, brought the grandkids, our other kids that live here. We all just got in the house together and with my brother and his family, my mom and dad, and we just hung out most of the afternoon. They brought dinner over that evening. And unbeknownst to us, at a point in the evening, they had Christy and I sit down on some stools, and they had asked each of our four children to prepare some words to share with us. And I'm telling you, man, all weekend last weekend was emotional. But that moment in our living room, listening to our four kids just speak into our lives, it marked my wife and I in a deep and profound way. And I say that because when we accepted God's call to come to Las Vegas, we knew God was going to birth this church. Like we knew that was happening. It was The call of God was so sure, I knew he was going to birth the church. I didn't know if I'd like it, but I knew he was going to birth the church. Like I'm from Alabama. I didn't know about all these West Coast people. I didn't know if I'd even like it. But I knew God was going to birth a church here. That was a done deal. But what I wasn't sure about was relocating my young kids to a city called Las Vegas, Nevada, and what that meant for their future. You can get into stuff in Las Vegas that, like where I grew up, you had to travel three counties over to even get close to that, right? I mean, it just... So somebody asked me one time, what's, what's your biggest fear in ministry? And here's how I answered the question. I don't know that I'd call it a fear, but here was my biggest fear, that God calls us to Las Vegas, and we win the world, but we lose our kids. Man, sitting there last Saturday evening, and my kids hadn't been perfect. They've all had their own journeys. But listening to them tell us about their love for Jesus, their love for His word and his church and his mission you know what I got to watch play out right in front of my eyes because they directed a ton of it at their mom here's what I got to witness right in front of my eyes her children rise up and call her blessed it was awesome it was awesome I got to get in on that as a dad. And here's what I'm telling you, moms. This is true for moms and dads. Listen. Motherhood, being a parent, it's an invitation from God to get in on an incredible, incredible blessing of the Lord. Moms, be encouraged. God's given you a gift. It's an opportunity for you to change it's preparation for future ministry. And it's his invitation for you to be blessed. Thank you for listening to the Hope Church LV podcast. If you haven't done so already, go rate and review our podcast to help spread hope to the world. Have a great rest of your day.